You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Dr. Skip Bailey, Deputy Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Census Bureau. We discuss challenges in working with data and emerging technology, as well as ways in which federal agencies leverage emerging technologies such as AI and automation to enhance IT modernization efforts, and how Skip and others in his agency are staying up to date with evolving technologies to effectively mitigate risks around technology adoption. Stay tuned. And welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And thank you again for joining us on Gov Future podcast. This has now been, oh my God, we're several dozens of episodes already into this year uh, and uh, interviews with fantastic folks across really the whole public sector spectrum. We've had folks from federal, civilian and defense. We have folks from state and local as well. Uh, interviewing and talking really about the innovations that are happening across the board. Of course, it's AI all day, all day for everybody, but there's so much other innovation happening around analytics and stuff happening in cyber and big data and automation. And well, yes, people are talking quantum. It's still really mostly theory, but you know, honestly, a lot of the stuff that's happening is advancing innovation in the public sector. And that's really what we do here at GoFuture is just have these great conversations with thought leaders who are really trying to put into place innovation in the public sector. And of course, for you, our listeners and our GovFuture members, this is really your opportunity to hear what these folks are doing. Exactly. And if you're not familiar with GovFuture and our GovFuture community, it's the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com. Our goal at GovFuture is really to bring together everybody in the public sector ecosystem. So as Ron mentioned, that's at all levels of government, federal, state, local, and international as well. And we like to have that representation on our podcast. So we're really excited to have with us today, Dr. Skip Bailey, who's Deputy Chief Information Officer at Census Bureau. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and now your current role at Census. Okay. Um, I have spent the last uh, 22 years of my career, about half my career in the public sector. Uh, uh, I, prior, prior to that, I was in the private sector, but I came first to uh, the FBI shortly after 9-11 and uh, was brought in with the new CIO that came. I had worked from him in the private sector. So I started off with the FBI. And I was a division chief and uh, ran essentially the IT division at headquarters. And then uh, from there, I became the CIO at ATF. I spent uh, uh, several years there. And uh, after that, I, I left for, went to work for Deloitte, but um, in the federal sector, I was still working uh, primarily in the Department of Justice as my client and had a short stint as uh, about three years of my own business, again, supporting federal clients, and then came back to uh, the government as, in my current role as the 
deputy CIO at the Census Bureau, uh, where I'm pretty much kind of uh, used to cover whatever the uh, CIO wants me to, but mostly manage. Uh, I, I have most of the divisions within the central IT organization and work with uh, census is very federated and there's a lot of IT that's not in central IT, but I uh, am kind of liaison and work with those groups also. Yeah, that's really you know quite uh, important. I know people you know understand, maybe don't even understand sort of the breadth of the things that the Census Bureau does. Obviously, they think about the once every ten year big national census, which is mandated in the Constitution. But right. the folks who are working at Census are obviously working with data all day. I mean, that's basically sure. you know the the or the government's maybe most core data science and you know data analytics uh, agency that's out there. So you know maybe you could talk a little bit about that. You know what what challenges sure. do you have and see in working with data and with emerging technology? Because there's a lot of new emerging technologies that impact data within the Census. Um, well, there's a lot. We are the largest statistical organization within the federal government. And, you know, data is our, our life. It's our products. The only products we re, uh, produce are data. Uh, we do more than 130 surveys and censuses uh, beyond the, the one that everybody knows us for. But we're doing things like leading the economic indicators. And there, there's a lot of data that you'll see on a regular basis that uh, we've been involved with in one way or another. Um, uh, for us, we're going through a, a really big transformation uh, and, and it is very much data related. There's, um, there, there's a couple of things that we're looking at that we want to continue to become, we want to continue to be relevant and to be the leaders in the federal space. Uh, and the challenges we're getting uh, one of the big challenges right now is uh, people in the country are census weary, and this isn't a problem just for us. Anybody who's who does uh, surveys, they're surveying census, any kind of surveys, they're finding that response rates are declining. People are not interested in doing them, and so one of our primary source of data is is becoming more and more difficult to get, uh, and then that. We're addressing that partially through using more uh, technology, doing more online surveys and so forth. But in general, it's left a hole uh, that we're trying to fill. And uh, we're filling that hole through getting uh, data that uh, comes from multiple sources. Could be the public, it could be the public sector um, from other agencies, or it could be the private sector. Um, and when you think about it, uh, there's a lot of data out there by uh, that that a lot of people know. For example, you know, what, how much do you think Google knows about you? You know, when you start to think about that, there's lots of sources of data, and so that creates the second issue we're dealing with is we want to make sure we're the most authoritative, and so uh, we're reaching out and getting data from some of these other people, creating partnerships. Uh, that will augment the stuff. We'll continue to do surveys that we're not stopping doing that, but we're augmenting it with uh, other sources of data and combining them to get uh, the best estimates we can. 
Yeah, you know, that's incredibly important. And it's always interesting to see trends and how people engage with government at, you know, different generations and different times. So Mm -hmm. since this is, you know, the world that we live in and people are uh, becoming more technologically savvy and want that as a primary way, how can federal agencies and particularly census effectively leverage emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and even automation to enhance this IT modernization efforts? Um, well, there's there's a couple of ways. There's three ways. I'll speak about AI in particular. There's three ways where we're very interested uh, in uh, leveraging AI and, and uh, machine learning in particular. Um, the first is with our analytics. We gather data, we do analysis on that data, and then we give summary data or estimates, and that's what our products are, is the summary data. So the analytics side of it has a potential. Now, one of the problems we deal with is the data we deal with, once we gain it, it's under, it's under protection by law that we have to, we have to uh, protect it from other people you know, seeing that data. Title 13 is the one specific for census, but we deal with Title 26 and Title 5. Um, but that has to do with protecting data and so that it's not exposed. So any AI that we use for analytics would have to be closed internal so that we didn't have any issues with spillage of this title, title type data. Uh, the other two areas we have where we think we can use it is uh, if you think about it, on Census Central, where people get our data, uh, we can have them, uh, you know, have enhanced search capabilities among our data, where we think that AI could really be a benefit there. And then the final area that we're concerned about is that um, when these large uh, language models uh, go out and find data, one of the problems is they don't seem to particularly care where they get the data from. And we want people to have authoritative data. So if, if someone wants to know the, the population of say, Owings, Maryland, we think they should probably ask us, we're the authoritative source, but uh, they might get it from Joe's tackle and bait shop or something. And, and so we, we're working with those models so that when it's the data that we can supply that we're authoritative on, that that's where they get the data from. So in those three areas, we're really leveraging, uh, starting to leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning. Yeah, I think that's key. I think, you know, part of this, that that's what these technologies are for anyways. I mean, they're mostly tools right, to help us, you know, enhance. They're not, you know, I mean, they sometimes they feel like magic, I guess, or they feel like uh, science fiction. And we do see sometimes people implementing technologies mostly for proof of concept you know, where they're just trying to see what's possible. But at the end of the day, it's really about not what's possible. Lots of things are possible. It's what is useful, <laughs> what's going to actually make a difference. And sometimes even sort of the the stuff that's been around for decades still has huge potential use if we just make use of it more effectively. So that's really uh, very important, very key. So, you know, diving into that a little bit more, I mean, things do change quite a bit. And I think it's a challenge for almost anybody to stay up to date, especially when we have technologies that are like almost literally changing on a daily basis. Even for us, we look and it's it's some new announcement comes out and changes everything or it feels like it does. And, 
you know, you're dealing with, you know, big programs with lots of people, lots of, lots of impact, lots of responsibilities. Uh, but at the same time, you want to take, you know, you want to make use of advanced technology. So how do you stay up to date? How do you coordinate? How do you work with other, other folks to, you know, not only make effective use of technology, but also, you know, deal with the inherent risks, you know, cutting edge is called cutting edge, you know, because it, because it's sharp, you gotta cut yourself mostly. Well, there's a whole variety of ways in which we try to stay uh, up to date and to learn. And, you know, we obviously attend conferences and have that that sort of open uh, look to some uh, advisors and people who are uh, knowledgeable in those areas. We also coordinate and talk to other government agencies a lot, talk to them about what they're doing. We just recently had a lot of conversations around where people were in their cloud journey. Uh, just among government people, and uh, you know, and it's interesting to see where they're at compared to where we're at, and what they've learned that we can learn from. So I think uh, you know, communicating, talking a lot. We also have, uh, you know, we have groups that that actually do research. We have a research directorate that that you know, their research is primarily around data and statistics and that sort of thing, but. It brings in with it a lot of technology, and then we coordinate with them and talk, talk to them about it. But um, I, I think uh, I, I've mentioned this before. There's there's really six emerging technologies that are in various stages of development um, that have all hit in this last, say, decade to decade and a half. And when you think about all of those combined, any one of them by themselves is kind of of the level of the worldwide web, but now we have six of them. You've got social media, big data analytics, cyber, cloud, um, AI, and uh, uh, and machine learning, and uh, but I forgot one of them. What would it be? Oh, uh, mobility. You know, we've got mobility. So all of those they didn't all start at the same time, but they're all in play today. And like you said, some of them have been around a little while, but all of them have the potential of, of just changing the world. I mean, think about how much mobility has changed the world or social media or, you know, dramatic changes in the world. And yet they're all all right now. And you, you can hardly imagine a world without them. AI is probably the most recent to have a big impact, even though it's been around since the 50s. The real solid impact is probably the most recent of the six. So anyway, all of those come and you kind of try to keep your eye on all those and figure out how to best use those. And we're engaged in and actually in all of those. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I like how you break that down because um, there, you know, you really do need to make use of technology, right? We say it's a tool and you want to use it. And the government needs to stay relevant if they want the citizens to engage in the way that they need to. So, you know, at GovFuture, we really are about collaboration, um, interagency collaboration, also agency to agency as well, because I think that there's so much to learn from what others are doing, and not everybody has that platform to share it. So how are you working and collaborating with other agencies, especially some of those data-intensive agencies, such as BLS or Bureau of Fiscal Service, EIA, so many others, uh, to adopt emerging technology? Are there data sharing opportunities or knowledge sharing opportunities that are in place? 
Yeah. Um, well, and in some in some cases we share a building with them, and that makes it easier. Um, within the Department of uh, Commerce, we have lots of opportunities, and uh, the CIO is very active in kind of connecting. So we have people like BLS. Uh, we got NIST is another uh, one that, and and NOAA deals with tremendous in terms of volume of data. They're much greater than we are. Uh, you know, so you, you have these. Lots of agencies dealing with data, and we regularly have conversations with them. We share technologies. We, uh, you know, so we we reach out, and sometimes they reach out. You know, it's kind of a two-way street, and uh, we try to collaborate where we can. Uh, we try to, obviously, at the end of the day, we're the only ones that are going to do our mission. <laughs> They're going to do their missions, but we do have lots of opportunity to collaborate on, on the uh, not what's, but the how's. And that's where the technology comes into play. Yeah. I mean, for for a while, there was certainly some efforts to try to synchronize all these government agencies around data and data sharing. There was data.gov back in the day. And it's interesting because yeah. we're now more data focused than ever, uh, but we're not having that conversation anymore, which is, which is intriguing, you know, given all the other conversations we've had. Um, you know, maybe, maybe from your perspective, do you see like, you know, what do you see some of the challenges perhaps in, in getting some of that sharing or the collaboration that, you know, the things that get in the way, probably not technology is my guess, you know, people prosme, what, what are things that sort of get in the way of that issue? Well, I think now we're, we're sharing and having that conversation in a more organic way, instead of a top down governance regulated way, it's more of an organic way, which in, in my view is probably more profitable, it's more useful, uh, because we, again, we have to do our mission, but what we can learn to do our mission and adapt to do our mission is always useful and we're always willing to talk to somebody. So it's it's opening the conversations, it's having them, it's being able to share uh, with people of various, uh, you know, you know, various uh, other agencies that deal with maybe problems that are similar, but in different context. And um, I think that's the key. It's having the conversations as opposed to a strong governance to make sure that everybody's formatting their data the same way. Because I think, you, you know, one of the risks, one of the problems that government has in general is they're heavy on governance and less heavy on creativity and uh, and you know, kind of just getting getting it done, and that's I think that's where we're more focused is really let's get this delivered and figure out the best way to do it. And whoever can help us, we're we're all ears. Yeah, that's actually a good transition point because obviously it's not just the government operating on its own. We have all these great technology companies implementing solutions for a lot of folks, big and small startups. Not so much startups anymore consultants, systems integrators, that whole pile of folks. So, I mean, it's kind of curious, like how, how does this all work together in that greater ecosystem? You know, what opportunities do you see for engagement with industry, people who may be solving problems that you'd like to solve, but maybe not in the context of, of how you're solving, or maybe they're not even really working much with government at all. That's always the big challenge. The ones who want to work with government, they, they know how to do it. But the ones you kind of want to work with government, they have no idea how to do it. It's yeah. always a really weird gulf. But maybe you could talk a little bit about you know those opportunities for engagement 
in addressing all of the stuff we've talked about, all the new technology and IT modernization, all that good stuff. Well, when you think about innovation, most of the time innovation isn't creating something new out of hand. It is applying something that's kind of maybe been around or is, uh, you know, maybe emerging in a new context or a new way. That's typically where you get innovation uh, occurring most of the time. And so it is exposing yourself and and get being exposed to others who are uh, solving problems and think tanks. And we do we do uh, you know get engaged with think tanks and other advisory type people. But it's uh, we we also like to really make sure we're getting with people that are kind of have their feet on the ground that are actually sol- out solving problems and then. Uh, and then we can collaborate and, you know, listen to what they say. It's really uh, just about having a lot of open communication and uh, making sure that we understand how that type of solution may actually be applied in our context. Um, you know, for people that are that have ideas that they want to share, I think it's important for them, you know, if you want to share an idea, you want to... Th- Think about how that fits in our context. You know, I, it's interesting when I have people approach me that have not really taken the time to even understand my context. <laughs> and they want to share an idea, but it's kind of a non-starter right off the bat. If, if I if they're if they're coming from such a different world, they can't, you know, we can't even talk. Uh, so it, it takes time to make that shift. Yeah, I think that we've seen that ourselves. And sometimes, you know, especially uh, certain people at organizations and startups, they get super eager. They you know, want to solve everybody's problems. They maybe assume problems that you have that you don't. And they just want to move forward. And you're like, well, it doesn't quite work that way. Let's take a step back. We always say uh, we're big advocates of the CPMAI methodology, the cognitive project management for AI methodology. And people, you know, continually ask us, this is, you know, for AI machine learning projects. They say, well, do you start with your business problem or your data problem? And we're like, you start with your business problem first, because if you're not actually solving a real problem, it doesn't matter if you have the data or not. Don't go ahead and do it. And continually still people are asking, well, is it a business problem or a data problem? And we're like, always start with the business problem. So it comes back to this. If you do not understand what problem you're trying to solve, don't move forward. It sounds so right. simple and people like don't listen. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. And yeah, you know, you're, you're obviously talking to some of the same people I do. They're excited about the solution. It's a lot like the guy with a hammer in his hand, everything looks like a nail, but you may not be a nail. <laughs> and, you know, the, the fit's not there. And, and so... You know, we, we need to understand, uh, Stephen Covey, I think, said, seek first to understand. You know, that that was uh, a thing that Covey talked about. And, uh, you know, I think you have to understand first, and then uh, if it makes sense, it makes sense. And then the innovation will come. But if you're just pushing a solution, uh, no matter how good it is in the context you're, you've seen it in, it may not make any sense in the other context. So. That is another thing that we always say too. Uh, you know, make sure that you actually are getting the right solution to the problem, not 
just because you're an X vendor shop that whatever it is that they have, you need to figure out how that works for you. Right. Obviously, things aren't going to always work out well that way. Yeah. yeah. And just like every other IT shop within the federal government, um, we're, we're not, we don't sell IT. You know, we're, we're not in the business of making IT. We're in the business of solving problems for the Census Bureau and meeting its mission. And so if we're not helping Census Bureau meet its mission, then we have no business doing it. We, there's just nothing there. So it, you're absolutely right. It is the business problem first or the you know agency problem, however you want to express that. That's what matters. That drives everything. Nothing else really matters beyond that. Then you try to find the most elegant way to solve that. Um, and, and you're continually trying to improve on that. But at the end of the day, it's got to work for the for the mission. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because even in the data context, when people have some understanding of the problem they're trying to solve, the, the usual uh, saying is that you can come up with a great answer once you know what the question is. And so half the challenge, maybe more, 80% of the challenge is finding out what the question is, yeah. because you can do kind of almost what you want with the, with, with the data. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we, you know, we, like all people, sometimes the business comes to you with an answer, not a question. And, and you'll find that uh, I, I have a, a little exercise I call the five whys. When people say, we need this, I say, why? And then they find usually by the time I get to the fifth why, I'm actually at a real question and uh, not not a series of solutions. And then you can start back down the road once you get to what's the real issue we're trying to solve. What problem are we solving? Now let's find a way to solve that in the best way we can. Yeah, this has been such a wonderful discussion. Uh, it's always great to have you know different perspectives on. And so we've really enjoyed this podcast with you. We'd like to ask you our final question that we ask all podcast interviews, because no matter how many times we ask it, everybody gets to bring in their own unique perspectives and backgrounds and experiences to answer this question. What do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in government? Well, I I think if you look historically, uh, for many years throughout our history, the center of innovation was in the government. and over years, that sort of has bled out, and innovation has really uh, been outside of government uh, for for a long time. And what I'm hoping to see in the future is that we see more of a partnership and maybe share some of that innovation back into the government and where we can really partner uh, even more in the in the actual innovation process. We tend to, if I were to say, what's the state of the art today, we tend to be more of, okay, industry, go out and innovate, create something, and then we'll buy it, you know, or, or we'll use it. And I, I would like to see government be more part of the process again, uh, as it has in the past. And if you look, you know, if you look historically, a lot of the great innovations that have come from the government uh doing it and that's died out more in in the last you know three decades or so and so I'd, I'd like to see that reverse go back maybe not all the way but at least partially back because you have different filters there's 
innovation, you know, there are filters that come on that eliminate possibilities. Now, that's just human nature. And if you're your objective is to make money. The filters are quite different than if your objective is to serve the public. And, and so that's why that combination uh, can be very important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we hope our listeners, Hey, this is, you're part of the conversation too. We, we, sometimes we start our podcast telling you that the reason why we're doing this podcast is not for ourselves. We love this conversation. Trust me. Fantastic conversation, but we're doing this for you, our listeners too. And so we encourage you, if you guys have have feedback, comments, anything about what you're hearing, maybe you want us to dive deeper, maybe have skip back and <laughs> do some more, always willing to do that, or maybe get some of your own perspectives. We have a lot of, most of our listeners are themselves working. You guys are all working in the in public sector in different groups, different departments, and you know, reach out. I mean, we're really all about the collaboration, trying to get these communities to talk to you. That's, that's a, a big way of of getting to these problems and solving them faster sharing experiences hopefully not having the same problems you know you know you don't like doing that running into the same right. wall multiple times so yes yeah, skip wanted to thank you so much you've been so uh great with your feedback and your insights and all your perspectives and and sharing this with our gut future podcast listeners well glad to do it and uh thanks for having me Yeah, thank you so much. We always enjoy this discussion. And for our listeners, we've got great resources if you're looking to get additional insight and details on the range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, which is tailored just for you, our GovFuture listeners. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Also, if you haven't done so already, become a GovFuture member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. To sign up, you can go to govfuture.com join. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. Again, that's govfuture.com slash resources, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.